Well, one people, we're back with another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast. But today's show is a bit different. We've brought in a special guest. You know, my brother's flown out here to the UK. He's got some big, exciting news. He's a name that a lot of you guys will have heard of over the last few years. My brother Kevin Ware is in the building with us. Thank you for joining us today, bro. Nah, thank you for having me. This all love. And Lawrence, of course, is in the car as well. Lawrence, how you doing? Good to see you guys. I'm just glad to have... I mean, this is our first huge basketball player on so this is big news for me <laughs> yes sir it's a, it's an honor it's an honor to have you with us today man um you know it's been it's been crazy this whole year has been a whirlwind of no one really knows what's going on and no one's expected any of the things that we've expected but you know you're you're now in the uk and we're going to get onto that a little bit later on i first want to talk through your basketball journey so you were born in okay. the bronx moved to Atlanta. Yep. Talk to me about your journey coming up. How did you first get into hooping? When did you first know that you wanted to be a pro ball player? Um, it was kind of always in my genes, just on the basketball side of things. My dad played. He uh, stopped playing because he had messed his knee up. Marco Marlon Capers also played. He played here for a while, and that was kind of like always my role model, just trying to follow after him. When I was in New York, like, you could say, like, I sucked, you know, like <laughs> – I got a lot yeah. of my confidence when I moved down to Atlanta. Yeah, they were just – in Atlanta, they're just so much more slower. They're not as fast as guys in New York. You know, <laughs> got the handles and stuff like that. So I got a lot of my confidence once I moved to Georgia. So what age were you when you made that transition from New York down to Atlanta? I was 14. I was just, just turned 14. My mom had left us in New York, like, for a year. So she was going down to find a house and all that stuff, and – that following year, I was there with the Stone Mountain Middle School. After Stone Mountain Middle School, she moved us even further in the country. I hated it to Rockdale County, and I kind of took off from there, like with all the rankings and everything. Moving over, yeah, like that's uh, it, and that's. It's, I think a lot of people in England kind of think of moving houses and like, oh, I'm moving an hour down the road. Whereas yeah. Bronx to Atlanta is a massive move. Like that's, you know, that's basically. Uh, you know, it's a lot. It's long distance. Is what I'm saying, but like, it's a big how did that work out? Well. Uprooting, yeah, yeah. Driving, it's about 16 hours. You know, the flight is like three. Right. And, you know, it's just it's a huge, huge difference. But I'm kind of thankful. That was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I didn't, I didn't know how big basketball was in the state of Georgia until I got there. And literally, like after a year, I was starting to get ranked, and all these recruiters and people looking at me. So I was really appreciative of everything. You thrived as soon as you went down there. Yeah, as soon as I went. I mean, like in New York, like I played for Team Next. I played for uh, Metro Hawks. And I was just like all the other guys. Like everybody was good. But I guess my like athleticism and game like started to show like different when I moved to Georgia because it was a whole different different vibe. So after you were in Atlanta and you were growing your game and getting better and better as a player, have you been back to New York to flex on the dons there that you played against before when you said that you sucked when you were playing in New York? Did you have to go back and show them the levels a few years later? Because I know coming out of high school, you were a four-star recruit. You were on the top of the list for a lot of colleges. Did you go back and flex on some of the guys that you used to play with in New York? Uh, no, nah, not flex, but definitely play in those <laughs> summer tournaments like ISA and uh, Rumble in the Bronx and I go back to our hood day and we play in a tournament. I, I kill all the older guys that used to kill me. Like, it, was, it felt good <laughs> just being home and, and playing. You know, I, I love playing basketball. Like, when I had got my injury, that was the worst shit that probably ever happened to me, honestly. I, I've always had basketball. Yeah, man. I think everyone saw that. And, you know, that was a moment really where the whole world, kind of the basketball community at least, stood still and, and was like, holy shit. Like, Wow. Nah, for sure. when, when that happened. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're going to get on to that. that. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> We're going to get on to that in a sec. But before we get to that, I want to talk. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the, the recruiting process for college. And, you know, some of the colleges that were after you and why you decided to go with Louisville. Uh, well, originally, I was I was going to only Tennessee. Like, I thought Bruce Kerr, Bruce Pearl was the best coach that ever coached basketball. I went down there for a visit. And everything was just perfect. I was uh, going to come in with guys like Chris Jones, Adonis Thomas, like a lot of other high-profile recruits. And they kind of got into a pickle, and their co coaching staff got fired. So they had opened my recruitment back up. And I was basically choosing from, like, Alabama, Florida, like UGA, like 
a lot of SEC schools that wasn't too far from Georgia because that's where my family was. But when I had sat down with Rick Pitino and went to the campus, well, matter of fact, he came. It's a funny story because I was in Panama City like for our spring break and the whole ride back, I just got like the worst hangover. But like as soon as I got like to Georgia, like <laughs> the hangover was gone. Like I got him at my house with one of the assistant coaches and like it just clicked, you know. I went down for the visit and it was like, yeah, I, I want to play here. This is probably the, the UK U of L rivalry. They told me about all that stuff and it, it was it was a big deal, you know. How did you um, see yourself at that time as a basketball player? Like, did you, because obviously there's all the ranking and you know, everyone's trying to work out where exactly they fit in the system. What did you think about your own game at that time? Uh, I thought I had a long way to go, honestly. I know I was real athletic. I know I could pass the ball like really well to be a big guard. But I knew like I was lacking that, that consistent jump stop. And once I started to make that shot, like everything kind of changed. Mm-hmm. With with Rick Pitino and that whole Louisville recruiting process, now I'm not trying to hot anyone up. I'm not trying to do the snitching thing, but you know, there's a Drake bar where he goes, you know, he's talking about his young G's. He goes, Rick Pitino, I take him to strip clubs and casinos. Is it really lit like that? Or is that just the rappers exaggerating about Rick's reputation? Hey, man. If Drake said it, it got to be some kind of truth to it. I don't know what kind of, uh, <laughs> I don't know what kind of time he had with Rick, but it's a good time in Louisville, man. That's all I can really say. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> so, you, know, you guys had a talented team, you know. Some of the guys you played with while you were at Louisville, a lot of them are in the league now, or some some of them are in the league now. Yeah. You know, uh, Montrezl Harrell was a massive prospect to you. you had, was it your second year in when he joined the squad? Yeah. Gorgie Chang, Terry Rozier as well. You know, how does it feel for you now watching those guys in the league doing what they do? Man, I'm always proud. Like, I got so many different friends in the league, even friends from New York still. It's, it's just a blessing, you know what I'm saying? Guys work so hard to be able to get to that position. It's kind of like you just have to respect it. You can never hate on another man for you not being there. He put that same amount of energy you did, you know, but – Everything happens for a reason, I kind of feel like. A lot of those guys work really hard. Like a lot, Even Peyton Siva, I know he's still playing with Albert Berlin. Uh, Russ yep. Smith, he averaged like 62 in China, something crazy like that. Like yeah. There's just a lot of guys put a lot of work in. Peyton had a huge game the other day as well. those guys. Yeah, of course. Me and Peyton play a game all the time together. Montrez talk all the time. Shane Behannon. Uh, Russ is still like my big brother. You know, all those guys are good people. Wayne Blackshear, Fat Wayne, you know, that's my guy. <laughs> which, which of those guys was kind of the throughout the college process? Because we see a lot of guys come into college as massive recruits out of high school. And, you know, when they get to college or sometimes when they get to the league, they don't live up to the expectation. But which of those guys did you see improve the most during your time at Louisville? Montrez, by far. You know, Montrez was just always been a dog. But once he got that proper coaching from Rick and then it carried on to when he was in the G League for, I think, like a year or two and then moved up to the Houston Rockets, he made, a, like, a lot of strides. Like, I remember Montrez could barely dribble the ball. You know, it was just throw it down to him and he going to dunk it kind of a thing. But you see how he plays now, he's just a beast. He's a beast. He's a beast right now. And we've we got to talk about the Clippers and all that in a sec. But... You know, it's, it's, a, it's a sad subject and I, I don't like talking about injuries, but I feel like it's something that it, we have to touch on because it's had such an impact on your career. And more than yeah. anything, when, you know, I was talking to some people, I was telling them about, we got this interview set up today. I was telling them people were shocked when they found out that you now play professional basketball and you made it back from what happened. Because, you know, to us that shows... I could never do that. I'll be real, bro. I got injured when I was 17, 18 years old, and that was the end of my hoop dreams. For me, that was yeah. I was done. So for you to make it back uh, and to the level that, that you can now play, for me, I've just got to take my hat I'm not even wearing a hat, but I'll take my hat off to you right now. Um, because nah, first of all, that's you, impressive. But, you know, Lawrence, you saw that injury. I'm pretty sure we were yeah. all watching the game live. It was up against Duke in, in a tournament. What was your reaction from a fan perspective when, when you saw that happen? I, you know, it's like when you see someone get an injury, you don't want to you don't want to make too much of it. And I think in that moment, um, 
it feels so definitive because it reminds it. There's a thing with basketball, right? Everyone's sitting around going, this is a great spectacle. These guys look invincible. You know, you feel like there's a certain aura around people. And then you're reminded in a similar way to a few other people's injuries, like Paul George's injury sort of uh, pops in my head when I think of these kind of things as well. And even KD, when his Achilles went, you're reminded these people are humans. And in that moment, like your perspective on the game changes. You don't want to watch anyone play on. I don't think your teammates want to play on at all. And uh, I guess there's a few questions that come off the back of that, but like, it, it, it does feel weird when you watch someone else get injured, especially when it's a basketball player. I think athletes, we expect just to be invincible. And in that moment, you're reminded yeah. they're not. And and for Kevin, like the play in which you were injured, I don't know if you want to talk about it too much, but I feel I have to ask you anyway. It wasn't a play, you know, some guys get injured when they're trying to dunk over someone and they come rush to the floor. But the, the play that yeah. you, you were making right there was a very, you do that, hundreds of times a day anyway, closing out on shots and, you know, just, just normal jumping. Can you, can you remember that moment? Like just before, did, did anything feel weird when you took off from the ground before you landed? What was that like in the moment? Um, like, like you said, like, um, that's, a, that was like my, one of the, I think like one of my, my strongest points, like blocking shots. So like I maybe had like 20 or 25 block shots like how I was trying to do on that one play but from what I was told well from what I remember it was Shane Behannon's fault only because he messed up the rotation so <laughs> he, he kind of like gave me almost like a shrug just to like go to contested shot so like as he did that I kind of felt like I jumped a lot higher than normal normally I would and even when I jumped like I kind of even tipped the ball like he shot it so high but I still yeah. almost tipped it and when I came down, I didn't know what happened. I'm just looking back at the rim to see if it went in. And then I see everybody, like, tripping out. And I'm just laying on the floor, like, what the, what the fuck is going on? And I look down at my leg, so, and it's just, like, in two pieces, you know? So, yeah. Honestly, it was a freak accident. Like, that's the best way I could truly think of it. I can't even, like, I don't even know what to say still to this day. You know, I have no explanation for it. It was like, a, as you said, a free accident. But in the moment, you know, you're on the big stage. It's an important game. You've been tested a shot and, and you're a hooper. So you, your only focus is, did that shot go in? You know, who's got a right. rebound? We're going to push in transition. Did you not know that you were injured until you looked at your leg? Because I've had injuries before where I don't know I'm injured till I see it. And then I'm like, oh, my God, my ankle snapped. But with your leg, yeah, I had no idea. And, um I kind of jumped and then I laid down and everybody on my bench was like kind of in front of me. So they kind of like jumped back and was like, oh, like, like freaked out. And then I looked down at my leg and I saw that it was broke. Yeah. Did, did the pain then kick in when you saw it or were you still in a state of shock? Nah, that's how I know it's, it's some form of higher power in the world because I didn't feel any pain from the moment it happened to when I was riding in the ambulance to when they did the complete surgery, you know, like it was no pain. They say like, I maybe went in shock, but I was like, I was too calm to be going in shock. You know, I was still talking to my teammates and stuff, just telling them, fuck, I'm hurt. It's all right. Just win the game. You know, that was really the more important thing for me. Cause that would have just been another, or it's just another injury. Now y'all lost and ain't nobody gonna be talking about y'all anyway. So my first instinct was, all right, let's just get these guys calm. Tell them chill, you know, win the game. And I, ended, I think they ended up being Duke by like 20 or something like that, that game. They represented. They represented for yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, what was going through your head as you were in the ambulance on the way to the hospital? Were you thinking, because, you know, you were legit. When you when you were playing there at Louisville, you had, you know, high prospects. And having had such a bad injury happen to you on, on such a big stage where the world's seen it now, what were the thoughts that were going through your head? Were you thinking about the future and how things were going to pan out or were you just there in a the moment? What was what was the thought process and what, were you, what was going through your mind? Man, I ain't going to lie. The only thing that was going through my head was like, damn, Ken, we ain't going to get drafted now. Because <laughs> I had just like – I was like I was playing my best basketball. Like when tournament started from the Big East tournament to up to that game, like I was just starting to peek on the boards and like first round and all that stuff. And then, like, this just pushed everything back. So, to this day, like, to people ever ask, like, do I regret it and blase, blase. But, nah, the only thing I ever regret is 
not getting drafted that year. That's truly it. That, it takes it takes be... as much mental, yeah, as it does physical to yeah, recover yeah. from that sort of an injury, doesn't it? Yeah, way more mental because um, it was at times where I had a girlfriend at the time, so she was a great help uh-huh. and all that stuff, but I couldn't get up to go pee. I couldn't get up to go use the bathroom. I couldn't just go get some food or go do my regular routine and stuff. And that more so was more frustrating for me because I'm just like a real independent person. So not being able to just move Mm -hmm. on my own, I always have to rely on someone. That kind of bothered me for a bit, you know, and I liked when everything kind of calmed down and everybody wasn't trying to figure out what was going on with Kevin for a while. You know, when when we did finally win it, it just kind of calmed down a bit. You... You went and watched from the from the stands or from the bench when when Louisville won that uh, tournament, or was that the following? Yeah, year? crazy thing was it was um it was in Atlanta the final four. So we played Duke yeah. in the Elite Eight, and then it was straight to like my hometown, and like I was pissed about that. Like man, if I wanted to play anywhere, it'd be here. So all my friends could see and stuff like that. But I was just truly happy they won. You know, we beat Wichita, had Fran Freak Van Fleet at the time, and then we had played Trey Burke in the championship, Tim Hardaway, and those are hella good guys. Like, I didn't – I know how big they are. Well, not Trey and Tim. Tim's okay with the Mavs, but I know uh, – real one's not. He's doing great in Toronto. Yeah, he's doing great in Toronto. Real one's not, not that Trey Burke Fred, in college Fred was uh, – Yes, sir. He's shining right now in the bubble. Yeah. When you, when you had your injury – you had a lot of messages from you know LeBron, Carmelo, um, Kevin Durant, and all these other NBA guys. And I think the biggest one uh, was Kobe Bryant. Am I right in thinking that you and Kobe had a bet back in 2013 about who could recover first from their injury? Yeah, we did. You know, I got my um, rest in peace, Kobe. Of course, you know, I had spoke to him briefly i want to say rick kind of set the conversation up but we had spoke briefly and i'm like damn i'm gonna bet with kobe of course i'm gonna win this bet i gotta win this bet get kobe to a game you know sadly it never happened but just even having that with him you know that that whole that whole situation it was amazing you know how, how much of the motivating factor was the messages from those? Because, you know, not everyone would get that level of respect from these top-level guys. You know, we're talking about Hall of Fame players, some of the best players to ever play basketball. They're hitting you up and wishing you their support. There's a lot of guys out here who unfortunately get injured, but mo- most of the world doesn't even realise. So it plays a testament to, you know, the potential that they saw in you and the greatness of your game. How much did that play in the factor of, you know, when you're working your way back, trying to walk again, trying to run again, trying to get back in the weight room, trying to, you know, put on weight, trying to get comfortable playing again. How much of a motivating factor was that in your mind? Uh, It was all the motivation I needed, honestly. I always tell everybody, like, I had no time. I had no real time to just dwell and be sad for myself. Oh, you're injured. Like, I was always just getting more motivation, you know, and that kind of pushed me, I guess, to even – recovering in six months because a lot of people said I was supposed to cover well the doctor told me I was supposed to cover for at least eight to nine months but I was ready to go in six months you know I just put it in my head like but this is what you want to do so you got to work extra hard you know what did you see those in the goal it was the goal in your head when you were recovering were you looking to get back to where you were before or like what was your expectation when you were when you during recovery to get back and even better but it kind of took a toll only because when I was still playing at Louisville, I was it was still fresh. So I came back literally six months later. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of other guys, like including the coaches, you know, even some of my former teammates, they weren't ready for me to get back on the court. Like they were still kind of battling with what they saw, I kind of feel like, because I just kind of felt like I was getting – the royal treatment at that point. Like, you know, I go in there, right. I could fall to the ground and then, oh, everybody stop, stop, everybody. You okay, kind of thing, like stuff like that. And I always hated that. That was truly the reason I ended up transferring because I just kind of felt like I would have to start fresh, like completely fresh. So yeah. then you went to Georgia Being defined State. by that is frustrating. Yeah. yeah, definitely. You know, even people coming up on the street, like, oh, my God, like, you're Kevin Ware. Like, man, I'm so sorry for you. Don't be sorry for me. (laughs) 
like when you just said, like it's, it's weird. People yeah. know I'm still playing basketball. I've been playing pro the last five years, you know. So yeah, it's just it's just letting people know I'm still around. You know, that's really all that matters to me. That I'm the basketball player, not the guy that broke his leg. So when when you got to Georgia State, um, how was that in terms of the difference in culture, the difference in coaching, the difference in play style? Did they treat you in that same way you were talking about everyone giving you extra attention? Or were they just treating you the same as the rest of the squad when you came in? Yeah, they were treating me like the rest of the squad, but it's like eating at Roof Chris and then going to McDonald's, <laughs> you know? It's kind of like complete. <laughs> it's like the complete opposite, you. you know? Just just with the state. Well, our state was really nice at Georgia State. I can't lie about that, but just the arena and travel and things like that. It was real humbling. I kind of feel like it's what I actually needed just to get back to the basics of, bro, we're here to play basketball. Let's play basketball. But I was there with some great talent, like uh, Ryan Harrell. He went to Kentucky before he transferred to Georgia State. That was like a big brother of mine when I was playing in high school and stuff. RJ Hunter that played with the Celtics. I want to say he's going to Just check but see. We were like a real house. Like I know that Georgia State's one of those schools like where a lot of top major kids go to when they want to get a fresh start. So if if mm-hmm. I could have got to Auburn with Bruce Pearl, I would have. But they wanted me to sit out of here, so I was just, nah. I got to get my last two years of play. <laughs> I just wanted to play ball. And for those that That's don't know, it. RJ was was a sniper coming out of that draft as well. I remember Man. watching him play. I remember watching you guys play at Georgia State. He was a sniper. So coming out of college now, you went to play overseas. How come you chose the European? You started Finland, right? And then signed with a team in the Czech Republic. But I know a lot of guys, they look at trying to make G League rosters and some guys look at going to China or Australia. What made you pick Europe when you were coming out of there? Um, my agent basically was telling me like we didn't get NBA, any NBA looks. So that was just like some more motivation for me, you know, to work hard and try to get some looks because I was confused to at least not getting a G League look too, like you were saying, but I hated Finland. <laughs> I hated it. It yeah. was so cold. <laughs> it's a rough transition. I love, yeah, Kyle Yoki was the first team that ever gave me a chance. I'll always be grateful and, and thankful, but. I hate it, man. <laughs> what what exactly was it like? I mean, it's a massive cultural difference. I mean, bigger than the Bronx to Atlanta, it's a huge cultural difference. <laughs> to me, it seemed like it was only fifty people in our town. You know, it was a donut shop, <laughs> a pizza shop. <laughs> uh, the gym was at like a the gym was at like a middle school, but it was a fair size gym. It was just real different. And, you know, it got dark at like four o'clock. It's always raining, yeah. always gloomy. So it's like, damn, man, can I get some motivation? <laughs> mm. When you get to that part of the world, everything sort of changes. And it's so different culturally to America as well. So you're, you're coming to the part of Europe, which is not only does it feel like Europe, but it's like Europe, but it gets dark. Europe, but there's less things that feel fun. Like there's a lot of, yeah. it's a very different culture in Finland was the basketball culture to match that like did you notice the difference in terms of basketball coaching and even the way they play on the court uh yes but it it was um it was a good league the year I was there it was a really good league I know we had a couple of vets on our team that actually played for a while but I didn't see it as like how you would look at the leagues in Greece or Turkey or something like that I kind of looked at right. it like just a stepping stone Hence why so you from went Finland, Czech Republic because the weather changes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Sheck was – and um, I only went to Sheck because the coach wanted more like of a vet kind of guy, not a first-year guy. So I went to Sheck and just kind of reinvented myself. I was over there getting games with like 20 points, 27 rebounds, 18 points, 15 rebounds, seven assists, eight assists. I was just having fun in Sheck. I kind of felt like that was more so, all right, you had your, you see what it is over here in Europe, overseas life. You got your, your chance. Now make the most of this one. Like definitely play a lot better here. And that's all I did. Just wanted to play better. And that kind of 
you know, the opportunity there to go out and completely dominate when you're on the court, you know, you're putting up double doubles that are in the 20s. It must have done wonders for your confidence. And, you know, because when you come back from an injury, the thought of getting injured again does linger in your mind. You see with a lot of guys, even in the NBA, mm. if they're out with an ankle injury, for example, you notice them being less aggressive when they come back, less driving to the rim in case they land on someone and injure themselves again. When you were getting back playing, do you think it helped you a lot by being in those European leagues where you could come out and absolutely be a dominant force so you didn't have to worry about uh, getting injured again? Or is that still something that played in your mind? I want to say I got I just got over the thought of being injured again after I worked on my leg so much. Like, it was just so much work I had to put into actually getting back that when it was time to go, I was just full on. Like, I was thinking like I was my old self, even if I wasn't 100% there yet. I just kind of felt like, what's the worst that could happen? They say they got this metal rod in my leg. It's basically making my leg stronger than what it already was. So I'm basically like bionic, man. That's how I used to think. <laughs> So I was just up and bouncing, just trying to, you know, do the stuff I was doing before. And I kind of see, like, as the years kept going and the summer grinding and workouts, I did start to feel like myself again. So then from the Czech Republic, you went over to Greece. What was that Greek yeah. league like? Because now, now tons of scouts are looking at the Greek league. Since Giannis came out, all the NBA scouts I know, they've suddenly added the Greek league to, like, the top of their – the top of their scouting reports of where they need to go right. and watch players play. What was that league like for you when you were playing there? No, the competition was like one of the best. You know, I remember we played Panthinaikos and got smacked. I was like, okay, yeah, this is the real but, deal. But what about like, the fans there? Like, the Panathinaikos fans? Man, crazy. Crazy. Like, that's like when you experience like Europe fans, like the real crazy fight lighting stuff in the in the in the fans not in the fans but in the crowd and people yelling yeah. and screaming and drinking and smoking and throwing smoke buzz on you all kind of crazy stuff man yeah that's and i so, mean you know, did you notice the difference in greece as well so the european culture is very evident in greece and the food is quite different i'm guessing you notice the difference everywhere with the food yeah, the Greek food was really good, though. They had, like, a lot of different meats mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but, I, man, with me, with food, I'm going to eat whatever's good. I don't care what it, what you say it is. If it's good, I'm eating it. But for, for those that don't know, you know, back in the States, and even some guys in England who haven't been to, like, a EuroLeague game and that kind of thing, what's the difference in the fans, in the crowds? Because I've seen it firsthand that they're crazy in Europe. They go nuts. Mm -hmm. It's like a football, soccer kind of atmosphere when they're, when they're the in the stands there. Actually, that's the perfect way to explain a basketball game. You could look at it just like how a football game is, but it's in a closed gym. So you hear everything, you see everything, people letting firecrackers off, loud horns. It's a real experience. Like I, I played in Turkey like for the Jordan national team, and they had some crazy fans there, but – I would say, like, if I got to put, like, a number one on fans so far, it would definitely be Greece, like, by far. Did, have you been to any, like, other sporting uh, occasions while you've been over? Have you been to any football? Have you been to any other stuff? Nah, but I hope they open the, the stud of the, the soccer matches back. My bad. Football matches back up so I could go watch Chelsea, man. That's my team. You already got it. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Now we're right talking. My brother. My brother, I will take you to Stamford Bridge whenever you're ready. When the games are back, you just yeah, let me know. Man. We are there, bro. We're there. Get Don't worry about that, you both when you guys lose. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence, the Liverpool fan, so he's he's gassed right now because it's been twenty yeah. years that he's been suffering. We, we've been bannering him for the last twenty years, so he's, uh, he's yeah, happy Liverpool. now. Thirty years, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, not, you left Europe and then you went to sign in London, but not London, UK. You were in Canada with the London Lightning. What was that? Because that must be like almost similar to coming back home, because Canada and America quite similar. Or you know, what's your take on that in terms of the oh, basketball no, play style similar. of play? Yeah. Yeah. How, very how did similar. you find you know, the? Got, um, go go for it. My um, um, the agent I had at the time, he I just told him I wanted to stay closer to home because I had just had a son, 
And Congratulations. my whole thing was, yeah, thank you. If I could get back, like whenever we get breaks, it'd be a lot quicker ride being in Canada than it'd be in wherever I was overseas, you know. So I was thankful that I got the chance to go home and see him born and everything like that. And I met like a lot, a lot of cool guys over there in Canada, like really good relationship wise. So my guy, Xavier Moon, actually just won the CEBL MVP back to back years and another championship uh sunday so shout out to my man x too whole squad mm-hmm. winning i will question actually lawrence has just had a son as well so okay. you know yeah. last season last season in the finals fred van fleet really broke out started playing well and a lot of people said it's because his child was just born just before the finals and i've yeah, got a lot of friends who, who play rugby and in rugby they have this thing called dad strength because rugby players when they have kids somehow when they come back to training and back to playing they're just much stronger than they were before i don't know if it's a psychological thing or you know an instinct thing did you find any difference in your strength and your play after your son was born is this a question to me or him though i can't work it out we haven't played yet because it's been lockdown lawrence i'm gonna find out next time we play pickup if it's helped you but i'm wondering if kevin found any difference because a lot of the rugby players i know and some of the hoopers i know They've said to me that they can't explain it, but it's just is random, and they've just come back much stronger. Nah, I agree. I came back just like with a different confidence about myself. I guess it had to have been my son, honestly. Just thinking like, all right, bro, you got to get some film for him. You can't just have him out here looking at these regular games no more, man. You got to, <laughs> you got to definitely put on now. That was my thought process, and I definitely just felt like a different confidence about myself. Like I felt more like a man, like established kind of. Lawrence is going to come and drop now. (laughs) Wow, yeah, but I mean, that's what I was doing before, so I'll be dropping 60 now. Do you you feel, so you've moved to, you moved over to England now. Uh, Do you feel that distance or are you bringing your family over here at different points? Uh, Yeah, I am going to bring my my son and my wife over at some point. But my uncle, uh, Marlon Capers, he lives out here. He has a wife and a child yeah. here. So he stays in Southampton about, I think it's like two hours from me. And he yeah, it's not too bad. You get, he's going to come up. So, like, it, it's my dad's, um, my dad's brother. So we've always had, like, a really good relationship. So I'm not really homesick at all. I'm more so tired more than anything, just trying to get over the jet lag. But. I love it in London, man. It's like an international New York, really. Just going outside, it's the same kind of vibe. For for those guys at home who didn't know, I don't know if this podcast is going to be out before or after they announce this, but the reason why Kevin is here, I don't know if you want to introduce yourself, Kevin. You want to tell the people who you're playing for and what you're doing this season? Yeah, man. I'm playing for the powerhouse this season, man. The London Lions. Reloaded. Where, where's the soundboard? Lawrence, Lord, Lord, where's the soundboard? We need I to get some it. round of applause. I, I need that. Get you can bucket bucket. It. We'll edit that in. Reload we'll edit now. the applause in after we finish. But no, that's yeah. dope. Bro, how are you feeling about signing with the London Lions and what made you want to sign with this club? Um, It was a no-brainer once I um saw some of the talent they had and then I just did my history with Justin and some of the guys that play here. I was like, there would be no reason for me not to come. And then the Champions League was kind of like the icing on the cake, you know, just playing that international competition, getting that exposure that, you know, that you want, depending on if I could come back here next year or if I go find a better league to play. You know, it's all about just bettering yourself for the following year. But ultimately, I'm just tired of being on teams where championships not the goal. You know, guys got their own ulterior motives, and it's not a championship. You know, I got a chance to win four cups like four finals or i forgot they cut cups here right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Just trophies I championships however you want to call yeah. it yeah i got a chance to win four championships in one year you know you can't ever beat that you know so my mind has always been ever since i was in college man just let's win championships everybody gets the recognition when everybody wins you know the loser only looks good to a point you know everybody doesn't want the loser hmm. They've gone all money in the London Lions this season. They've got a big investment team that took over during during the off season. Uh, is it off season now? Because it's been locked down. Like time has not been real anymore. Like the season finished and it's been off season for whatnot, however but, many months. Yeah, it doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. I guess but, but they've got all money in. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so they've signed you. 
yourself, DeAndre Liggins, who had some time in the NBA. They've also got Justin Robinson, who, you know, for every kid growing up in the UK, that's an icon right there in terms of being a point guard who can do it all on the court. What are your expectations for this squad? Are you trying for real? For real. Oh, hey, from first day, I saw it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like playing with him. I know it. What are your expectations then? Are you trying to win all four of these trophies that you guys are going for? Because when I'm looking at squads that are played in the UK, I think this season's London Lions is going to be the most talent-stacked roster that they've had in the history of the British Basketball League. Yeah, that's the only thing on my mind, honestly, is how many championships we can win. I know just talking to a few of my teammates that follow like interviews and people have been saying about us, they don't understand how we're going to gel with all the talent we have and everybody's just going to be selfish to a point. But I kind of feel the opposite just watching practice. You know, Coach Coach Vince is kind of really putting a staple down of what we're going to do, what we're doing. And I just feel like it's going to get scary once we really start to gel. You know, we're only like five, six days in and the progress we're already making is, like I said, it's, it's scary, man. Like, I don't, I don't see no team beating us in this league, not being cocky or nothing like that, but it's just a lot of talent, like you said. So much talent. And the great thing about the signings is, you know, everyone, there's no one on the roster that kind of sticks out to me. You know, some teams have that guy where, you know, if he gets the ball in his hands, the ball's going to stick. And that's going to be the mm-hmm. end of the possession. You, you know, you've had teammates, I'm sure, where you know if they catch the ball with anything less than 20 seconds on the shot clock, you may as well just go back and get on defense because right, they're going to just be challenged. But, but with like yourself and with DeAndre and, and with a bunch of the other guys that are on that roster, I feel like everyone kind of will, will find their role and do things by committee. Has that been reflected in your training session so far? Because I know you've been here for like a week now working out in secret because they've not announced the signing and they've just been kind of hoping <laughs> that no one notices that you've been in town working out. What's it been like? How's it been working out with the guys so far? Man, it's been great. Like I said, we're, we're doing a lot. We're picking up on a lot of stuff really fast. I kind of feel like the offense we have is going to be crazy. Like, we got bigs that can shoot the ball so well. It's kind of like pick your poison. Like, do you let me get to the basket? Do you let Justin get to the basket? Do you help off of your man? You know, it's, it's kind of like what can you do to a point, you know? Our offense is going to be fun to watch, like you were saying. The only person I don't have a problem with the ball sticking it's Justin. <laughs> Justin can do whatever you want to do, man. Like he is a bucket. <laughs> yeah, but he's got he's got that IQ as well. Like I think people right. sleep yeah, on how yeah. legit he really is. He's got that IQ as well. He knows how to move the rock. Lawrence, what are you saying nah, now? This is this is your MVP. local team. Facts. Lawrence, this is your local team now. So, you know, you're gonna have to be representing every game. You're gonna have to be there. I mean, I'm 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 open to invites. I'm I'm uh, I'm just excited to see like what you're saying offense wise. I guess what I'm more interested to do is to show you around town. Now you're in London. I know all the spots. I know all the Caribbean places that you were saying before. I've got a barbecue, so I can do that. <laughs> and then, oh yeah, my man, I'm gonna be right over there with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got the best view in London. If you need a hookup with with any of the threads and stuff from London designers, I think we should we should make you into Mr. Brand London now. You get the London look now you're in London. Like I, I he, you know, LeBron James was tweeting you before. LeBron's gonna be giving you calls for style tips after this. I was just telling Mo. I was just telling Mo, man, I, I do want to model. I need to start modeling. So he said you're the guy I need to talk to. I get, I get all those steezy pics of Mo. Um, if, if you see the photo of Mo, it's basically, it's, it's my responsibility. So, you know, if, if you see my grand popping, you know who's the man behind it. But the underrated right. aspects of you living five minutes away from Lawrence now is that your sons have got someone to go one-on-one against in the park. You feel right. me? Right. They've got that. To I get that little pick-and-roll combination going, you got the future of UK basketball right there as well. No, for sure. That's a good point. <laughs> I'm totally down for that. Is, I just think it's in London as well. It's a great place to bring up a kid. Like you know, we've got a lot of parks. We've got a lot of kid-oriented stuff. I think a lot of cities in the states are quite built up. It becomes quite difficult. I think you'll really enjoy bringing up a child over here as well. It's gonna be crazy. Nah, yeah, man. The way everything is now, I wouldn't have a problem being here for five, ten years, man. Playing for as long as I can. Yeah. How long is the yeah, contract? That accent's gonna be sick for him. Uh, for this year, it's just a one-year deal. But I know me and Vince going to talk soon. 
<laughs> yes, sir. Eyes on the prize, you know. When them championships start coming in, they're going to have to make you the man around here. But um, yeah. it's, it's going to be it's going to be hella weird because if you do stick here for five, ten years, you're going to start picking up the slang. You're going to start picking up the accent. You're going to start picking up, you know, the UK. We've got a little different source here. We don't dress like the Americans. We've got our own styles and all of this. So, you know, it's going to be interesting seeing how you adapt to the life in London. Yeah, I'm starting to learn a couple words, man. I'm learning. I don't say them right yet, but I'm learning. Go, go on. What you got? What you got? <laughs> I got everything, man. I, I'm, I'm always messing with the youth at practice. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else? Damn. It's I, hard. I it's hard when someone puts you on the spot for words. I know. It's like uh, it's different things. It's like a little crash course. It's just a like pronunciation. Whenever, whenever, yeah, yeah. Whenever you walk in a room. And you see the mandem, the mandem is like your gang, your your, your group of friends. That's the mandem. Say Wagwan. You say Wagwan. Yeah, exactly. Good. You know the vibes already. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, then, and then there's other little words. So you're talking about, in, instead of saying there was a lot of, you say there was bear. So I found like, yeah, you know, bear, I, I hit, this, hit this party last night with the mandem. There was bear things. Bear things. Nah, hey, bro. You I know gotta, what that I means. Gotta, I got to address this one. I got to address this one, though, man. What's the whole... Taking a piss. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, you got to this like is your bag. Or something. I feel like it, it sinks in. It sinks in very slowly. But okay. it, it, once you get it and, and you start it. saying it. I heard somebody say it. it and I was just it like, works. Are you it, taking it, a piss like on me? You're, I'm like, you, you're mocking someone. Like. You're mocking someone. You're disrespecting. <laughs> okay. You know, if, if you say, if, if we're talking, if, if, we're, if we're talking hoops, right, and you say to me, uh, I think the Charlotte Hornets are going to win the chip next year. I will say, are you taking the piss, bro? Because you're clearly okay. not serious. You're moving mad. Moving mad is how, how another phrase. You're moving mad means you're you're not right. You're, you're outrageous right now. Okay. But we can yeah, do. Yeah. We can All give right. you a whole crash course on on the UK slang. We can we can teach you how we get down over here. But nah, I, I man, feel like, like Top Boy is one of my favorite shows, man. I always, I watch <laughs> Top Boy. I finished. Uh, what's the other one? Blue Blue City, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, the one that Ratman did, uh, Blue Story. Yeah, Is it Blue Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Blue yeah. Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I seen Blue Story. I'm a little big on certain um, um, artists over here, like Pressa and a couple guys. You know, Dave. Yeah, I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask, gonna ask who, who, which artist are you rocking with? What, what like you been bumping? What's the been on the right now? Dave. Yeah, right now I gotta go. I'm gonna probably as soon as you get off the phone, turn my game on and put like a the drill playlist on so I can learn some more. Drill, alright, you're up Dave's with the drill. Cold. Yeah, yeah I, I, cold, I, I, I gotta put you on some guys, man. Stretting them, like I'm, that's my favorite song. Yeah, Streffem in South representing for the ends, but I'm gonna put you on some guys. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna send you some playlists after this. I'm gonna yeah, get you right with, sure, the, with the music around here, bro. With the music and then. You know, we start hitting some shows when, when things get popping again and, and the lockdown is over because it's going to be a wave, bro. You're going to love living in the UK. I think it's a dope signing for the London Lions. It's great to have a talent like yourself over here. More than anything, it's great to see you bounce back from everything that's happened throughout your journey so far and be playing in, in the Basketball Champions League. That's not no small... Here we say that's not a joke thing, bruv. That's not a joke thing. Right. That's major. You get me? So, you know, full credit to you. But I feel that it's only right right now. You guys are still getting ready for your season. I feel like we've got to talk a little bit about this bubble that's going on in Orlando. Because I know you you know a lot of the guys that are playing there. We need to get some of your insight. Lawrence, what, what's the first question that springs to mind for you? Well, I mean, who's your favourite team to watch? I just think off the top, you want to know what kind of basketball you, you enjoy watching. Well, I've been disappointed with my team in the bubble. The Lakers ain't been looking the best, man. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Bron just trying to wait till playoffs, but I love like the Houston Rockets. I love James Harden's game. I love Russell Westbrook. Um, I love the Heat. I love the Celtics. I think they're going to be either or is going to be a tough matchup for Milwaukee in the finals. Whoever gets that matchup, but it's kind of up in the air right now. You know, it's like playing in AAU. I remember going to Orlando and playing in uh, Nationals. It's kind of like that vibe over there yeah. right now. So. It's really like anybody can win it, you know, whoever just playing the best. And the way the Lakers playing right now, I don't think we're going to make it out of the first round if we run into the Blazers, you know. Do you do not think LeBron will turn it on when it comes to the playoffs? You know, AD's been up and down, but he's had like a 40-point game last week. And Kuzma's really been the breakout star. 
So you think that LeBron will just flip the switch when it gets to the playoffs? I hope so. I hope he's just resting, trying to get guys going, and he turns it back on because we all know what LeBron can do, but it's when those other guys not making shots. I like Deion Waiters a lot. I like that. I think that was a great pickup. You know, he's uh he's one of the playmakers that he can actually play with the ball in his hand. I think they need to play Alex Caruso a lot more, bro. Like a lot more. Been saying the Caruso Danny, show. Danny Green, man. Yeah, man. Danny Green got to go sit down. Yeah, you, you seen that Snoop Dogg clip talking to Danny Green? <laughs> yeah, here's some motherfucking stuff. Let me get you the ball. That's your one job. <laughs> that's your one job, bro. You out there to do nothing else, man. Just make a couple shots. I don't like you talking about Cal Kuzma, but I hate Cal Kuzma's game, bro. Like I hate it. <laughs> like he's the most selfish Laker I've ever seen since like anybody. Like I don't, I don't get it, man. You know. I, it's, it's so hard to watch sometimes. You can even hear, like, the coach is saying one more pass or something like on the sideline, and he just, like, brushes it off, you know. I think I, a lot I, of I, players probably see that ahead of what a fan sees because, obviously, when, when there are normal fans watching, they just want to see a show. I guess players are looking yeah. at what they would do, how they were possible, what they want their teammate to do, and you start watching the game differently. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, though, to right. see – how 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 Kyle Kuzma's presented in the media, like how what a media darling as we call him in the UK. Like yeah. people really in the nah. States either really love him or hate him. I hate him. I call him Kuzma Kardashian. <laughs> that's what I call yeah, him. Hey. That's how... I ain't gonna lie, when off you... the court, hey off the court, that man top three. He got an elite roundup. I put him right there with Ben Simmons, you know, but he got to get together on the court. <laughs> You're putting in work. He's been putting in work, that young dog out there, man. But from yeah. when you put up more Instagram stories than points in the game, I can't respect it either. But who, right. who have you got then? Because you're a Lakers fan, but Trez is your guy. He's rolling with the Clippers. I think everyone's expecting yeah. it to be a Lakers-Clippers Western Conference final. Who have you got taking that in and how many games? It'll be whoever plays better in game seven because I kind of feel like that'll be one that definitely goes to seven. Kawhi LeBron, is a monster. Uh, and then Paul George, you know, this is the first year where he doesn't have uh, a messed up rotator cup in his shoulder. So both of his shoulders are good. Mm-hmm. You got Lou Williams. You got Patrick Beverly. You got all the Mike, uh, Marcus Morris. You got one of the Morris brothers. Um, then Montrez, you know, Montrez is really going to be the X factor, I kind of feel like. And he's been resting. He just got over there. I know he was battling with some stuff um, with his family. Um, sent some prayers up tough. for him, but I'm just happy Definitely. for him to be back in the bubble. With, with Trez, he's a free agent after this season ends. What do you think? Have oh, you he's got a any Laker. He's going to be a Laker if, if that's the case. You, you think he's going to switch sides? He's going to switch sides. Okay. Hey, you know, you know who he represented by? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clutch that's sports. gag right yeah, there. Clutch sports, you know. So who knows? That's going to be a mad dynamic because I don't think we've ever had well, – well, first of all, the Clippers have never been good enough for anyone to care. But we've never had, like, the, mm. the cross-town – because here in the UK, we've had, like, players go from Chelsea to Arsenal or Arsenal to Chelsea, mm. like that kind of local. Uh, and, you know, and, and in, in the NBA – the Nets were never good until recently, so no one cared. And the Clippers were never good right. until recently, so no one So this will be the first time we're seeing potentially a player switch from the Clippers just into in the same arena down to the Lakers. And the dynamic... Do like, you think it means the same thing in the States? Oh, definitely. Because everyone... in, in England, if you switch, people hate you. I mean, some people do. I mean, if you switch from like you know Spurs to Chelsea or like Spurs to Arsenal, it's the worst thing you can do ever. But in the States, I feel like sometimes people switch jerseys up a lot easier than in the UK. I don't think Trez will care. Um, yeah, I don't think so either. He, he doesn't seem like the time. Clipper fans will yeah, hate him. Right. But but yeah, but I mean, how many people is that? That's like 10 people. <laughs> Steve Bowman and his family. <laughs> but, but that's an interesting take. That's an interesting take. What do you think about, um, you know, Terry Rogier becoming a man in Charlotte, trying to replace Kemba Walker and kind of getting outshone by Devontae Graham. What's your take on how he can get things going? Because um, obviously you, you played together in college. So what's what's your take on how you can get things going in Charlotte? I think Sherry's going to have a big year. Um, I know he's been training a lot this offseason just from uh, watching his story and talking to him a little bit. He's a dog, though. Like, he's another one of those guys that can really get going. You know, I kind of feel like this was his fill-it-out year. 
just seeing exactly what's what. You know, they don't have the best team, but they do got talent. But Devontae Cram, he's he definitely should get most improved player, if not yeah, most improved player, honestly, in my eyes, just because of the year he had. He he really took it to another level. Lawrence, who you got for that? Because, you know, they had Luca nominated and I thought Luca wants to be in the conversation for MVP, not MIP, because Luca's Luca's averaging a triple double right now. And, you know, put some respect on that man's name. He's top five player in the league right now, is what I'm saying. Yeah, Devontae, sure. your your big Bam fam, and Brandon Ingram had a great year as um, well. Yeah, I think I think Brando Ingram for me is the front runner there, only because I think enough. Uh, if you're a basketball uh, purist, then a lot of people feel that way. But I also feel like Bam deserves a lot more recognition than he's getting for the the role that he's playing for the Heat at the moment, because he just doesn't get the respect. Because it doesn't seem to be a trendy thing to, to respect that kind of player right now. And I think actually Bam Adebayo has had a much bigger impact on the Heat. Uh, and them mm. going further down the line than, uh, um, For sure. than maybe a Brandon Ingram's having right now. And also, I think Bama's become a bit of a media personality. This is his breakout year. You kind of want to give it to those guys. And I guess the thing with Luca getting MIP is because it's like, look, we can't give you the MVP right now. But at least we can give you this. Yeah, yeah I, I think feel like that's what they did to Luca. Yeah, for sure. Just put him in exactly, the yeah. It's because he's on a bad he team. If his team is in trouble, if, if the Hornets win the bubble, then I can see him getting a stronger shout. But, you know, the biggest surprise in the season for me is the Memphis Grizzlies. They're battling for the eighth seed. They're, um, you know, trying to hold on to that. they got to play in games this weekend. But your, your guy, your former teammate, uh, Gorgie Jeng, is on that roster. What's your take on whether they're going to hold on for the eighth seed and make the playoffs or is their losing streak going to continue? It's kind of tough to say. You know, a lot of those, they got a, a tough schedule. You know, the guys that they're playing. I'm, I saw that the Pelicans had just got knocked out. So it's going to come down to job being a lot more aggressive. Um, Josh Jackson has to play a lot better. You know, they got to really try to get that one-two punch going. I feel like that, that'll really determine if they can make that push to keep it to the eighth spot. But I'd love to see I love to see the Grizzlies in there. You know, I feel like Josh should get rookie of the year regardless of what's what. But it's gonna come down to how they're playing at the end of the day. Who who you got for MVP then? Are you team LeBron or are you Yanis or are you rocking with anyone else? I'm Bron, baby. We gotta go Bron. I gotta give it to you. You gotta say that. <laughs> we, we we got we can't let Kobe down, man. We gotta bring the chip home. That's my whole thing. That's facts. Uh, so, you know, everyone that I do an interview with, I need to get their takes on this. And I need to know your all-time starting five from every basketball player that ever exists. Who is your all-time starting five? I got Magic Johnson. I got T-Mac. Jeez. I got Braun. <laughs> Great, I got choice. Braun. Great choice. Great choice. Uh, for my four, I probably had to go KG, KG. Yeah, boy. Beautiful. And the Diesel. Big Shaq. So, uh, no, Shaq, no MJ. Shaq and Hockey. Nah, man. I, I love that you recognize Hakeem Olajuwon. That's my, that's my all-time favorite center. So, right. Hakeem and Shaq, for sure. That's 5A, 5B, for sure. Hey, Hakeem's local in the UK as well. You know that, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he lives out here as well. I'm going to try to introduce you to sometime. Because that'll be dope. You can learn a few a few tricks for when you're on that low block if you ever end up there with a mismatch. For sure. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, everyone needs to have that dream shake to their bag. But, uh, yeah, but, uh, that's, a, that's definitely... Um, that's not turn at, uh, that's not turn at great uh, all-time five. I kind of like it. Nah, it was many people- My two spots... The two spots is usually always the hardest for me because you got T-Mac, you got Kobe, you got Brandon Roy. And honestly, at the three, only person I really would put there besides Brian would be like Grant Hill. Like, I remember watching some of the film on Grant Hill when he used to kill everybody. So that Everyone says it, that. Everyone says, everyone says that they use Grant Hill as like this, this film guy that when they want to be that three, then they're like, okay, do this. Yeah, he was he was way he was a way better Scottie Pippen basically. That's how I look at him. He could do everything, and it's just a shame injuries got him. Same with Brandon Roy, and same with T Mac. To be honest, 
That's all right. Yeah. T Mac was my guy growing up. Like I, I was mad they couldn't get out of the first round, but T Mac was definitely my guy. I hear that. That's same for you, right, Lawrence? You're a huge T Mac guy coming up. Massive T Mac guy. I just feel like T Mac doesn't get enough respect in the league anyway because people just seem to forget what he looked like, what he did, what he brought to the court. And I also think he was unfortunate to exist at that time in basketball. It just didn't seem right. I feel like he'd be way more appreciated if he was coming through now. Exactly. I kind of feel like that with uh, Gilbert Arenas and Allen Iverson, too. Like, those are some of my other favorite point guards. Yeah, it's a dog. Gil, 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 Gil was one of my favorite players back then. I just don't understand. I mean, I understand what happened. He still secured the bag, but it's <laughs> it, it's sad, you know. Uh, Gil mm. could come in the league. Gil could come in the league and score buckets on guys right now. I'll tell you that for a fact. Sure. He could come in the league yeah, right now. Sure. He'll drop the twenty picks in the next game he plays. He's a bucket mm-hmm. together. Now, mm-hmm. some guys are just walking buckets for life. But the last thing I want to ask you is, you know, in the NBA, in the bubble, we've seen they've got the Black Lives Matter on the court. They've got different slogans on the back of their jerseys. NBA players have been using their voice massively to push this movement. Obviously, you know, some people say it's an American thing, but it's a huge issue over here, the issue of racism within society. Are you guys at the London Lions and the BBL, are you doing anything collectively as a group to push the conversation and bring that to the forefront of things as well? Uh, I don't want to speak too much on it because I don't know exactly what they, they've got going on, but I remember, like, even uh, just going through some of the Twitter stuff and they had things on here. But I'm super pro for everything, you know. Racism is racism. Whether you're white, black, Chinese, Muslim, it's never going to be okay. And until we get to the bottom of the main problem, you know, the same stuff's going to be happening. It's just like it just gets, like, so much more attention in America because it happens so much, you know, like, it's, it's normal for a black guy to get killed by a cop. And sad as that sounds, it shouldn't be normal, you know. And uh, I live, like, in southern states. It's, like, a lot of racists there, like, a lot of white supremacists and all that stuff. So it, it gets hard even wanting to raise your son around and stuff like that. But just knowing that we actually got a voice now and things are getting better and some of these cops are getting acquitted for these charges, you know. It's, it's, it's definitely something to look forward to. But I kind of feel like we just can't stop there because, uh, all right, some stuff's getting good now. We got to keep pushing. You know, they still haven't arrested the cops that killed Breonna Taylor, you know. And that's that's a disgrace. I kind of feel like that's a disgrace strictly on the mayor of Kentucky. You know, you should look at yourself as pathetic. I don't know if you got kids or not, but how could you sleep at night kind of a thing, you know. For real, and that's big facts. You just got to keep keep trying to push. You know, I love what the NBA is doing. I love everything the NBA is doing. You know, a lot of people hate it, but only the racism, only the racists are going to feel uncomfortable. You know, people that want to be on the right side is going to be on the right side. That's facts, man. And I got to give a big shout out to my guy Gats, who's been doing some stuff with Basketball England. Um, he's taken over their social media all week. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's the first time that I've seen, or I think first time ever, that Basketball England has done any anti-racist kind of agendas, put out any content of that nature. So it's crazy when you think about it that basketball organizations never spoken about this before, but it's dope that people like Gats, people like myself, Lawrence in the media are pushing this agenda. And then yourself as an athlete, as a player, as a role model for kids to look up to, you're also using your voice. So I respect and appreciate that massively because this is, this is bigger than basketball. It's bigger than a podcast. It's bigger than anything that we do. This, this is changing the world as we know it. And, you know, it's up to people like ourselves to keep pushing that message. So I salute you, my brother. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time out to join us on the show this week. Welcome to London. Nah, thank y'all, man, so much, man. Whenever y'all want me on the show, just let me know. 100%, awesome, my brother. Man. We're going to link up real soon. I'm going to take you to find some of these yardy spots for the good food. Because I know, I know yeah, in man. Finland and I know in Greece, the food might be good, but you weren't getting that yard food. You know that one's there? But for sure, we'll link up. We'll hear Chelsea game as well when that's back open. And um, thank you to everyone at home who's tuned in. Make sure you go down when when it's safe and the social distancing is over. When it's safe, go down and check out Kevin and the London Lions because they're due to have a massive, massive season. They're in the Basketball Champions League. They're the favourites for the BBL. They're going to be firing on all cylinders. They've got, yeah, you know, Kevin's a huge talent, a huge addition. They've signed you know, uh, Liggins, as I mentioned, former NBA player. They've got Justin, best point guard in the country. And, you know, I'm hearing rumours that they might even have another guy on the way to join you guys. So 
you know, keep locked for all of that. I, I know you can't say too much. It's exciting time, so make sure you guys get down there. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave us a review. Show some love in the comments down below. Follow Kevin. Kevin, where can they find you on the social media? Or are you not trying to be bait like that on the social? Because I know it's not for everyone. You got anywhere that the people can reach you and follow uh, your stuff? My Instagram is Twitter is way up where W A Y U P W A R E, and that's all I'm on. Nothing else. Anything else is a fake account. Yes, sir. No, no TikToks for you now. That's a great handle. Nah, hell no. <laughs> Chinese. They say the Chinese. Uh, they watch all our stuff on TikTok, so that's why I never got a TikTok. Uh, no. <laughs> they watching everything Lawrence my brother thank you as always for doing this show with me it's been Good a pleasure you guys. thank you you guys know where to find Lawrence you know follow the Hoop Genius stuff the YouTube this episode is going to be up on the YouTube as well if you want to see us while we talk if not listen to the audio on the podcast leave a review like I said and you know you guys stay safe at home keep doing your thing keep following and supporting the movement but most importantly get buckets